this my Bible? It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. As you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to John, Gospel of John, chapter 2. Jesus said in Mark 4, 28, the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that, the full corn in the ear. That is seed time and harvest. And harvest comes into reality over time. That's why I like that great testimony read there at the end. Over the course of time, that testimony, 18 years, the harvest comes into manifestation over time. And as we keep doing the word and taking action on the word, the harvest grows. It's seed time and harvest. It's what Genesis 8 and verse 22 tells us. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease. And you might say, well, Austin, I don't like my harvest. Well, that that's, could be bad news, but it can also be good news because our Heavenly Father has given us the power and the ability by the choices, by the decisions we make, by the actions we take to change our harvest. And you can change your actions, you can change your choices, you can change your decisions for a different and a better harvest tomorrow. Now, we've been learning how in these days to prosper and pull ahead. And in these days, with the cost of everything increasing, you know, and of course, the administration's excited about gas going down by about 20 cents. I think they think we should all write out a thank you card and mail it to them this week. You know, they, they, no one wants to acknowledge how much the cost has gone up over the last two years. As the cost of things go up, how can we prosper? How can we pull ahead? Well, you're, you're not going to make up the difference by clipping coupons. You ever been behind one of those people at the grocery store checking out? It can be rough. You're not going to make up the difference by telling your wife, no new clothes till 2024. It's a little quiet. You're not going to make up the difference telling your family, all right, we're doing two meals a day till the rest of the year. We're going to have to believe God. We're going to have to walk by faith. We're going to have to go to his word to discover principles so that we can live a life of harvest and plenty and more than enough in the days in which we're living. Now, we've been learning that God is the source of our supply. Praise God for the job. Praise God for this or that. Praise God for this or that blessing. But you have to remember the Lord is your source. And we've been learning how to put God first in our lives in every area of our lives, including in our finances and our giving. 
And we've learned that when we take action in faith in any area, including our finances, when you obey God, when you do what the Word says do, when you take action, when you sow seeds of faith, to live in expectation of the blessing of God, to live in expectation of miracles, to live in expectation of supernatural provision. Say this, say, God is my source. Is my source. Say, as I give, as I, give. I, expect, I expect it will be given unto me. Say, I expect a harvest. See, that, that, that's how we live and prosper and don't go backwards. We live a life of harvest. And over time, as you are a doer of the word and as you take action on the word and as you live a life of generosity, the harvest becomes exponential. Now, if you're a moral person and a tither and you're industrious, you're a hard worker, what's the difference between Christians who are just kind of blessed versus Christians who dramatically pull ahead? And the answer is in this series. John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And we come to Jesus' first miracle, which was a miracle of provision. He healed the sick on many occasions. He cast out devils on many occasions. But he also miraculously provided on many occasions. And his first miracle was a miracle of provision. Why don't we say this? Say, my heavenly father, my heavenly father. He, will provide. he will provide. Say, say one way or another, way or another. It, will come in. it will come in. John 2, beginning in verse 1, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Now, in the ancient world, these wedding celebrations, they would often go on for several days. Be a large gathering, a large celebration, daytime, nighttime. That's why uh, later Jesus told parables about people waiting on the bridegroom to arrive, falling asleep. It wasn't like American culture where we want to get things done in an hour and a half, two hours. These were multi-day celebrations. And of course, the family that put on the celebration, they were expected to feed everybody. They were expected to provide lodging and food and all the comforts for all those that were in attendance. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more, they have no more wine. Now, occasionally someone that's new or somebody that doesn't know better, or somebody that's an immature believer, or as David Wilkerson would say, somebody who's a sipping saint, they'll come to me and say, well, well Austin, don't you know that Jesus changed water into wine? Well, when people talk that way, they're, they're just trying to justify what they've got going on in their own personal life. You know, never, no, never has anyone walked up to me in the atrium or sent me an email and said, Austin, I just want to tell you about all the wonderful things that alcohol has done in my life or in my family. Never, not once, not a single time. In the ancient world, this is what they had. They didn't have Fiji water. They didn't have Dasani. They didn't have smart water. They didn't have Evian. They didn't have, you know, for the super fancy, they didn't have Voss. 
You just couldn't go get a cup of ice water. You couldn't go get tap water. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm one of those kids. I, I love drinking out of the tap. You know, Jessica will be horrified. I'll, I'll be out watering a spot in our yard, and I'll just take the hose. I'm thirsty, right? Might as well. My mom's probably watching this horrified right now. But even our, our tap water today, it is a lot safer to drink than what they had in the ancient world. Later, you read on in your New Testament. There was a time when Paul wrote to Timothy, a young man that he had trained for ministry, and because of where Timothy lived in that area, they had cisterns to collect rainwater. And of course, the problem with a cistern and collecting rainwater is if you're not careful, you can get really sick. And so Timothy was weak. He was sickly. He, he had some stomach bugs. And so Paul told him, because of that, to drink a little fermented drink, the implication being, well, that will help the alcohol in that. It'll help kill off the bugs you've got in your body. Your people just aren't honest when they come to the Word of God. And in the New Testament, one word in the Greek is used for fruit of the vine, which is grape juice. One word in the Greek is used for vinegar. One word is used for fermented drink, which is wine. And so from the context, we have to discern what we're talking about. And on this occasion, yes, it was wine. But again, it was in the first century. It's what they had. And you did not have modern levels of fermentation until the medieval period. And in the first century, say somebody went to this wedding. Say somebody had a little too much to drink. What's the worst that they could do? Get on a donkey and go too fast. <laughs> but if they fall off, who are they going to hurt? Themselves. But every day in the news, there are stories of people being drunk, being inebriated, being high, getting in a vehicle, and causing great harm not just to themselves, but to others. Our Heavenly Father wants us to have the victory in every area of life. Amen? So smile at your neighbor and say, grow up. <laughs> smile at your other neighbor and say, say, grow up, mature. You know, there ought not be anything in our lives that has the victory over us. And in your life, you could be struggling in your money. You could be struggling in your finance. You could say, Austin, there's not enough. Well, well, just for the next 12 months, stop spending money on beer and booze and alcohol and wine and whiskey and use that money for more constructive things. Billy Sunday, one of the greatest preachers of the early 20th century, he was a phenomenal baseball player that gave up baseball to speak to young men at the early YMCA, powerfully used of the Lord. That's the way he preached prosperity, that if people would live right and stop, if men would stop using their money on gambling, stop using their money on whorehouses, stop using their money on drinking, they would have plenty and plenty for their family. So I challenge you, just for the next year, give that up and use that money righteously. You know, not far from where we live, there's a business. On the sign, it says, Spirits, with an S. Well, my Bible tells me, Paul wrote, Be not drunk with wine, where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I love you. That's why I'm willing to tell you the truth. So it was the first century. That's what they had. But even what they had was nowhere near what we have today in terms of fermentation. You need to understand that. They have no more wine. That's what they, what they had. They didn't have iced tea. 
They didn't have sweet tea. They didn't have Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper, no fancy water. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And I would mark that, I would highlight that, I would underline that in your Bible. Do whatever he tells you. That is the key to provision. That is the key to your miracle. That is the key to your victory, your breakthrough. Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood sticks, stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So these were, these were large jars. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And uh, as we'll deal with, this, this was risk to doing this. Fill the jars with water. Well, again, what kind of water did they have in the first century? Not clean water, not purified water, dirty water. Fill these jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Why don't we say that? Say, say the best. Yes. Say it again. Say the best. Yes. And we've been renewing our minds to Isaiah 119, which says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. And that's what we have to work on renewing our minds. Our Heavenly Father wants us to have the best. Now, the best to you might be different than what is the best to me. But in your life, our Heavenly Father wants you to have the best. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Verse 11, this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and the disciples put their faith in him. Number one, Jesus is concerned about your every need. Your every need. It could be a big need. could be a small need. Jesus is concerned about your every need. Say, say my every need. My every need. Verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more, no more wine. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He loves us. He wants us to know that he loves us and that he cares about our every need. He knows our every need. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 6, that our heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. The Bible says that he knows the, the numbers of hairs on our head. Think about that. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your every need. He knows every bill. He, he knows the bills that have not yet arrived. You're like, don't talk about that. He, he knows. He, he knows our every need. And he wants to meet our every need, not just with enough, but with more than enough. He knows what we have need of before we ask. But as Jesus said, we still, we still have to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Our Heavenly Father wants to be the source and the supply of our entire life. He wants to be the Lord of our entire life. He knows our every need. He knows what we have need of before we ask, and he wants us to ask. 
Jesus taught us this way in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to pray that our Heavenly Father would give us our daily bread. And as pastor's been saying, our daily bread today costs more than it did yesterday or last week or last month or last year. He knows our every need. You know, and Jessica and I, because we're, we're younger, I think we're, we're mindful of our every need. And because we're, we're still young and getting started in life, we're, we're mindful of this. You know, Jessica's walking through the process of getting all five kids ready for school, uniforms, PE uniforms, backpacks, water bottles, shoes, athletic shoes, chapel shoes, socks, everything that goes with it. He knows her every need. And, I, and I'm rehearsing that to you to emphasize the fact that he knows her every need. And he wants her every need not just to be met with enough. He wants her every need to be met with more than enough. He knows her every need. He knows her every need. And he wants our every need to be met with not just enough, but more than enough. And we live in this world. You go to Matthew 6. Jesus said, do not worry. Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. If this is how he clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe us, O ye of little faith? He wants us to be well clothed. He wants us to be well fed. He wants us to be well provided for. And praise God for yesterday's provision. But we, how are we to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. I mentioned one night this week that, you know, Pastor mentioned braces. And Jessica had taken one of the kids and she took Michaela with her. And they said at the orthodontist, they said, well, she's here. We might as well get started today. Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. You know, and I just rehearsed. We just, Jessica's almost done with getting everyone ready for the, the school year. And yesterday, I walk outside, family time, and I, I sit down, and she looks at me, and she says, now it's time to start getting the girls' clothes for the fall. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Father, give us this day our daily bread. We got the church this morning. Walk in, and kids are about to go with Jessica to go to their areas to check in. And Samuel says, I think my boots feel a little too tight. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread. And I rehearse all that to emphasize he knows our every need. He knows what we, as Jesus said, he knows what we have need of before we ask. And so we pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. And what will he give us? Our daily bread. Is he, is he going to permit, if we're in faith, if we're believing him, if we're doing our part, is he, is he going to permit us to not be fed? Is he going to permit us to go hungry or to do without? No, he is going to wonderfully provide. So number one, Jesus is concerned about your every need. Say, say my every need. Say, my every need. Say, my every need. Number two, obedience is the key. It's the key to receiving miracles. His mother said to the servants in verse 5, do whatever he tells you. So if you want to live a life of miracles, be a doer of the word of God. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. See, see we have these needs, but for the harvest, seeds need to be sown. And so there will be times when the Lord will speak to you or the Holy Spirit will prompt you, or the Holy Spirit will move upon your heart 
to be a blessing. Why? To sow seeds for the meeting of your need. To sow seeds for the harvest you're believing God for. Now, we've learned every seed produces after its own kind. So if you need clothes, what kind of seed should you sow? If you need furniture, what kind of seed should you sow? But see, in this culture, it's amazing. I mean, literally, it seems like every month there's a new self-storage place being built. And I understand, people move, they might temporarily need self-storage. But, but it's, what is in all these self-storage places? You know, if I were president, and I'm not going to be president, but if I were, I would say, let's open up all the self-storage places and see how much that goes to paying the national debt. Just one small step of action. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but think about all the effort people go through. Setting stuff aside, garage sale, this and that. Why not give things away? Why not be a blessing? Why, why not be a blessing and be used of God to meet someone else's need? So to live a life of harvest, to live a life of miracles, be a doer of the word. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and hear and obey. His mother said, do whatever he tells you. And verse 8 says that they did so. Number three, our heavenly father will not diminish your life. He wants to multiply your life. He wants to increase your life. He wants to do the impossible. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And so what would be the conservative, moderate value of this miracle? This blessing, well, conservatively, ten to $15,000. Jesus was a blessing to this young couple getting married. You know, it seems like we get, have young couples getting married all the time. Well, if someone came up to you and said, I'm going to cover your wedding, or I'm going to cover the food at your wedding, or I'm going to cover your, your honeymoon, that's a blessing, amen? I said, that's a blessing, amen. I'm going to cover the tuxedos. I'm going to cover the wedding dress. That is a blessing. And so they have these people here. There's a celebration going on. There, there's food. There, there's wine. That's what they had in their day. But they, they were running out. They were going to be embarrassed. You know, there were people at the buffet, and there were a lot of people still in line. They were running out. They were going to be embarrassed. They were going to be humiliated to family and, and to friends. But our Heavenly Father loves us. Jesus loves us. He laid down his life for us. And see, people that are full of religion, they have the mentality, well, God only cares about this. God only cares about that. He, he cares about everything in our lives. He cares about every need. He cares about, again, all, the, all these children are getting ready for school. He, he cares about the size of their shoes. He cares about their clothes fitting. He cares about the little ones having the desire of their heart. He cares. He cares about our every need. And so this was a miracle of provision. This was a financial miracle for this young couple and to their family and whoever was putting on this celebration. Say this, say, I will hear God and I will obey God. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I will give so that I may receive. And I'll expect miracles. Number four, going somewhere with God takes faith and guts. 
Look at the instructions Jesus gave these servants. Verse 7, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Now, as Pastor pointed out at 9 a.m., this, this was the ancient world. This was the first century. Can you imagine if people, if they fill these jars with water, people start drinking, and they, they realize not just is it water like what we're used to, but it's dirty, polluted, brown, nasty water. If a miracle had not taken place, these servants would have been beaten. They would have been flogged. Worse, worse would have happened. So to follow his instructions to do what he said do, they put themselves at great risk. There are times when we obey God, it just takes faith and it takes holy guts. Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they, they did so. They obeyed. They obeyed. They obeyed. They obeyed. The hosts were worried about running out. They were worried about lack and not enough. They were worried about embarrassment. Jesus was focused on plenty. He was focused on the miracle. Jesus knew that his heavenly father has limitless resources. Jesus knew there was plenty. But what is needed on our part? Obedience. That is the key to provision. That is the key to your answer or to answered prayer. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Just do whatever he tells you. Pastor Sue often says that what we give to God, it never remains small. The harvest is always greater. But we have to keep taking action on the word. We have to keep being faithful and consistent. That second testimony I read, 18 years. Paul wrote in Galatians 6 and verse 9, at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if, say, say if, we don't give up. You know, it's been a hot summer. There's been very little rain. You know, typically we never want rain on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or during a special week of meetings. It rained last week. I thought we'll take all the rain we can get. Open the windows of heaven, let it rain. That has become my new favorite song, amen. Open the windows of heaven, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. We can use the rain. And Jessica, she didn't plant early this year, but she planted a few weeks ago. But when she planted, she didn't go out the next day to look and then walk back in and say, well, I guess that didn't work, I'm giving up. Seed time and harvest takes time. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if... We don't give up. We've got to give the Lord of the harvest time. And there will be harvest. It's on the way. I read that verse out of Mark's gospel. But harvest takes time to come into manifestation. The good news is, in the days in which we're living, it seems like things happen faster and faster and faster. Harvest is faster. Answers to prayer are faster. Miracles are faster. I think it's just part of the days in which we're living. Sow a seed for what you need. During the 9 a.m. service, my father used the example of how at the previous location in I-30, we set the goal that when we moved into this facility, we would have all new furniture, which at the, at the time seemed crazy. But one of the things that we did, you know, we're, we're good stewards of what God has blessed us with. We take care of what God has blessed us with. And so... One of the things that we did in faith, all the furniture that we had at I-30, with the exception of the wood pulpit, a few sentimental things, all of that furniture we gave away. To do what? 
to be a blessing. And every seed produces after its own kind. So if you sow furniture, what are you going to reap? A harvest of furniture. Jessica, she wants some new kitchen furniture. I, I say it looks great to me. But she, she wants some new kitchen furniture. But where she wants a new breakfast table, the table we have, we've used for many years. Kids have used it, many mills there. Well, the wood finish was starting, starting to wear. But I know we're going to replace that with something, whatever is the desire of her heart. And what are we going to do with what's there now? Are we going to sell it? Am I going to get my brother-in-law to come over? We're going to wheel it out to the street. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand there in 110-degree weather with a sign that says, best offer by five. We're going to give it away. But again, because of family mills and little children, and a few weeks ago, one of the daughters, I won't say who, Sophie now hears these messages. She says, you're not supposed to tell stories about us. <laughs> one of the kids left a cup on the table with condensation. That, that did a number. Well, we had it picked up. We're having it refurnished. Why? So when we give it away, it's a blessing. But every seed produces after its own kind. And so we sow that we may reap. And the harvest is always greater than the seed. And so all those years ago at I-30, I-, I was a young guy, but we, we gave all that furniture away so that we could have all new here. And it's been a blessing, amen? It's been a blessing. And now we're working to replace things in the children's areas and other areas, but it has been a blessing. If it doesn't meet the need, it must be the seed. If it's too small, give it to God. If it's not enough, give it to God. Why is that? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20, that if we have faith even as small as a mustard seed, we can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, say, say nothing, will be impossible for us. So when we have faith as a seed, what is that? It's faith that takes action. When we have faith as a seed, it makes the impossible possible. And when seeds are planted in good soil, in good ground, and it's watered and cultivated, there's a harvest on the way. There's a harvest on the way. And the harvest is always greater than the seed that is sown. So in your life, if it's too small, put it into the hands of God. If it's not enough, put it into the hands of God. If it's not enough, ask the Lord what he would have you do. There is no shortage in the kingdom of God. There is no shortage in heaven. Our heavenly father is not going to run out, amen? And there's no shortages in the earth. You know, everybody seems surprised there's not enough oil. There's not enough oil because as soon as this administration came into power, they shut down pipelines, they shut down drilling, and the result is even if today or tomorrow they reversed all that, it would take a year or two for us to feel the positive benefit of drilling and opening pipelines again. There's no shortage. I said there, there's no shortage. There's no shortage of any resource that our Heavenly Father has put into the earth. And there are no shortages in heaven. What's there a shortage of? There's a shortage of faith. Jesus said that when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And what is faith? Faith is believing God. Faith is believing his word. And not just believing. Faith is believing God to such a degree you do what the word says. Faith is believing God to such a degree you take action on what the word says. 
That's the shortage. Not, not an, not a, the shortage is not toilet paper or milk or groceries. The shortage is faith. And how do we develop our faith? You open your Bible. Read and study and meditate on the Word of God. How do you grow and develop your faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Worry is not the answer. Fear is not the answer. Faith. Faith in God. Faith in His Word. That's the answer. And pastor was a lot this week in Joshua 1.8. See, God gave us the answer all those years ago when He gave the answer to Joshua. Meditate on my Word both day and night, being careful to do everything that is written in it, then you will make your way prosperous and your way successful. So in these days, we need to get the fear out and the worry out. We need to spend more time with the Lord. We need to spend more time in his word, more time hearing his word. Now think about it. If these servants had not obeyed, they would have missed seeing the first miracle of Jesus. So don't miss God's best in your life. Hear Obey, take action, do what the word says, obey, and set into motion the power of God to transform the situation from lack to plenty. If we'll hear and obey, what is not enough can become not just enough, but more than enough. You gotta do what he says, gotta obey God, gotta step out in faith and take action. Number five, have the faith and guts to do what Jesus says do. And the end of the story, the end will be greater than the beginning. It'll be greater. You'll have a miracle. You'll have a testimony, something to say, look what the Lord has done. Verse 8, he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. See, if he knew, and if he knew the instructions Jesus had given those servants, he would not have taken a sip. I'm telling you, in the ancient world, water was so gross, so dirty, he would not have put himself or his health at risk. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I don't know if they prayed, but I bet they were praying when he took a sip. He called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best. Say, say the best. Yes. And that, that's what our Heavenly Father wants us to have. He wants us to have His best in every area of life. And it, whatever your age, however long you've known the Lord, your latter years can be greater than your former years. And whatever testimonies or answers to prayer you've seen, and you've seen God do, you can see him do greater. Stop doubting the power of your own faith. Release the faith you have, and our Heavenly Father will show you plenty. Stop doubting your own faith. Take action. Hear and obey. Release the faith you have, and our Heavenly Father will show you plenty. How do we release our faith? By taking action on the Word, by doing what the Word says do. How do we release our faith? By hearing and obeying. How do we release our faith? By being led by the Holy Spirit. Number six, Jesus and our Heavenly Father, they reveal their glory 
in needs being met and in desires coming to pass. Jesus and our Heavenly Father, they reveal their glory in needs being met and in desires coming to pass. Not in poverty or in lack. Look at verse 11. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. So his glory was not revealed by poverty or lack or not enough. His glory was not revealed by this wedding celebration turning out to be a great big bummer. His glory was not revealed by this young couple getting married, being shamed or embarrassed or humiliated. His glory was revealed by there being plenty. His glory was revealed by there being more than enough. So give up all those religious attitudes that you're bringing glory to God and God takes glory in there not being enough. What brings him glory is more than enough. Number seven, your needs being met will lead more to faith than struggling, poverty, or lack. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. They were transformed. Their faith was focused. Now they saw not the shortage, they saw the provision of Almighty God. So in your life, don't see shortage, don't see lack, don't see not enough, see the provision of Almighty God. And if there's a need, ask the Lord what to do. If there's not enough, ask the Lord what to do. If you have a particular need, look for ways in which you can sow seeds for the meeting of the needs of others to be a blessing for God to provide a harvest that'll not just be enough, but it will be more than enough. In our lives, in each of our lives, get your eyes and your focus off the need. Focus your eyes on the supply. His name is Jesus, and he will provide. He will provide his best. He will provide his best at all times. There will not just be enough. There will be plenty. Say this, say, my heavenly father, he cares about my every need. He will not only meet the need, there will be plenty. There will be more than enough. There will be plenty left over. Amen. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and perhaps you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You have never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. This world that we live in, it'll tell you that if you're just kind of good enough, that that is sufficient and that you'll be in heaven someday. Well, friend, that is a lie. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all in need of a Savior, and his name is Jesus. This world that we live in, it'll lie to you. It'll tell you that you can come up with your own path to God. You can do your own thing. That's a lie. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He is the only name, the only way by which we may be saved and be a part of the family of God. And he, he's knocking at the door of your life. He's knocking, but you have to open the door. You have to ask him to come in. If you're here today and say, Austin, I, I've never given my life to him. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but I want to. I, I know I need to. 
I want to give my life to him. If that's you today, wherever you're seated, if you would, raise your hand so I'll know you want me to pray. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might also be here today, and at one time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know you've not been living for God. You have been doing your own thing, and you have paid a terrible price. The Bible says that the mercies of God, they are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's, he's faithful, he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you will come back to him like the prodigal son, he will throw his arms around you. He'll put a ring on your finger. That means restored fellowship. He'll, he'll wrap a garment of salvation upon you. You will be welcomed home and with God and with this help. The years the locusts have eaten, the years you, you have suffered the results of doing your own thing, it can be restored, it can be made up to you, and as I just preached in this message, the end can be greater than the beginning. Your latter years can be greater than your former years. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I, I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God before I go today. That's you wherever you're seated. Raise your hand. We're all seated. I'll know. You want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. For the sake of those watching, listening online, if you're watching now or later, say, Austin, pray with me. I want to give my life to the Lord or I want to recommit my life. Pray this simple prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus, he was born on my behalf. I believe he lived without sin and he suffered and he died and he rose from the dead so I could be saved and a part of God's family. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Heavenly Father, set me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. When it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit, one of the things that I've heard my father, our pastor, say over the years is very helpful especially when it's uh, something that requires greater action. And you've heard, I'm sure you've heard him say this. He'll say, say Lord, if that's you, bring it back to me. See, we, we, don't, we don't tell anyone what to do. We, we encourage you, not just here at church, but during the week to be led by the Holy Spirit. And how, how do we know something's the Lord or our own bright idea? Well, first, we judge everything by the written word of God. But when he moves upon your heart or he speaks to you or, or prompts you or you have a strong sense or a strong feeling or a strong urgency to do something or, or to be a blessing, if it's not a big deal or if it's something small, just have faith and guts and just obey and see what God will do. And then as Pastor has explained, when, when something bigger that gives you pause, just do like what he does. Say, Father, if that's you, 
bring it back to me. And he will, amen? amen? And if you're married, you can run something past your spouse. You know, there, there are times, I'll use myself as an example, there, there are times Austin makes up his mind what he's going to do. But it's just Austin. It ain't the Lord, I'll be honest about it. And then, I'll, you know, Jessica will ask me, which then I know. See, see you, husbands, you have a wife led by the Holy Spirit, listen. And then Jessica will ask me about it. She, you know, she, she doesn't say, well, that's not God. Let me tell you what God is saying. But she'll say, no, do this. But if you're married to a spouse who's born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, run it past them. Amen. The blessing is in the doing. The blessing is in the obeying. The blessing is in the taking action. And we're all learning in this. We're all growing in this. But as you step out in faith and obey God as you're led by the Holy Spirit, he leads us. As David said, he leads us to green pastures and to still waters, to a place where there is provision and plenty and more than enough, no lack, no shortage, no embarrassment to a place where there is plenty. Well, I hope the message was a blessing and encouragement to you today, amen. And, and I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for being here on Sunday, putting God first, and I'm proud of you for being here, especially after we had a whole week of church with VBS, amen. I know many of you were helping and serving and volunteering. So this afternoon, have an ice cream and then a cappuccino. You totally deserve it. Amen.